We doing the music? No. I can't remember the whole thing. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's extra special um, Chumentary, I think is the the on-brand name. Uh, the show where we watch a classic movie uh, and chew throughout the entire thing while having banal <laughs> conversation about snacks. The weather. In other words, it's a, it's a movie commentary. That's right. We couldn't be bothered to watch a film this week. So we're just going to watch a film together. We're going to hang out. And you can hang out with us too. Friends in our head as uh, exactly. as we watch so, Ocean's um, Eleven. We're going to jump in and just talk throughout this whole thing. Uh, if, you're, if you want to watch along, if yeah, anyone is indeed listening, uh, we are watching on a watch party on Amazon Prime, which has helpfully removed the timestamp from the bottom of my video. Um, but... We can see the middle of the Warner Brothers logo. Um, and then I'll say three, two, one, unpause. I'll unpause. You will theoretically unpause if you do, in fact, exist. Uh, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. Please don't sue us down in front. Like it's any other commentary is the only bit you're missing from that. This is a yeah. reference that I think only us, no one remembers this old. Us and the four people who made that podcast. Yeah, that's a good podcast. What down in, we can talk about that actually in a minute. So let's pip, let's press play on this fantastic movie. I love. Yeah. Ocean's so 11. three, two, one, unpause, and that hasn't unpaused. So three, two, one, unpause. And I oh no, I do see something that's good. I do see something that's good. Right, I'm going to turn it down because it's quite loud in my ears. So when we discussed what we're going to do for commentary, because actually commentary is quite fun, aren't they? And they're a bit more loose, a bit more light, and we get to kind of like really focus in on uh, the stuff that we like about this. Uh, as my video pauses, that's helpful. I I think we are always slightly worried because you kind of want to do a movie you know quite well. And so I think Ocean's Eleven for me is like one of my favourite films. Uh, of all time, I, this is a film I can rewatch. I can just enjoy at almost any point of the day. So a good one for us to talk over, probably. <laughs> Definitely. Sorry, I'm just turning the, the volume down. Oh, except Amazon Prime's Amazon Prime's controls suck. <laughs> this is the other fun thing about a commentary: is listening to Dave struggle with technology. Shut up. And, uh, I'm listening now. We're now watching uh, George Clooney. Is this an early George Clooney like? It's obviously post Batman, but is this an early like George Clooney as a movie star film? I think it might. Yeah, I think it. I think he's definitely like in in the uh, in the zeitgeist, isn't he? And we're still making ER. When's when's ER? That's up. No, sorry, that's feels like ER ran from about 1896 to about 2017. That was 1999, so he'd done Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Perfect Storm, Three Kings, and then Batman. Yeah, so he's actually, I think he's fairly established. Yeah. Um, but certainly, like, this is a this is a headline, isn't it? This is, you've got George Clooney doing a movie, it's still a big deal. First thing I want to talk about, and it runs throughout this entire movie, is the fucking music in this in this film. Like, it's just brilliant. And it's so much of the vibe as well. You know, this like... Oh, yeah. Some of the, the emotional basis of this movie is the score and it's 
all the tension comes from the score because when we'll talk about it because we're listening to it quite quietly we'll talk about it as we get further through how like static a bit like watching friends without a laugh track sometimes this movie if you can't yeah. hear the score yeah yeah i've turned it up a little bit because i just i'm i'm getting in the, the zone for for this movie so when you film. saw this when it first came out presumably dave this is very much like a movie I don't specifically remember seeing the first time because I've seen it that many times, um, which mm-hmm. is odd. Like, but it's basically up there with Star Wars in that respect. Wow! That I couldn't. What's the word? Like, I couldn't actually tell you when I sat. Like, so many films. Like, maybe I watched it when I was fourteen or so, and I really enjoyed it. No, it just seems to have. Like, I probably saw this when I was ten, eleven, mm-hmm. twelve. Um, I don't really remember seeing it for the first time, but I've seen it dozens of times. It's a fun movie, you know. It's a good watch. Yeah, it is. Well, there we go. End of the review. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I think one of my favourite things about this movie is the 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 stylization, and that includes probably a lot of the cinematography, but it's also like it's a real slice of the 2000s. In a way that I yeah, don't think was necessary. It is, yeah, I, and I don't think this is necessarily intentional, but it's become, I think, more and more what this movie represents. Which is what year was this movie? Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. It's two thousand one. It's. I mean, this is Filmed a on digital, really, maybe. Uh did you? I think it's probably digital, but I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. Mm, mm, no, I can't see anything about it. But it's certainly, I think, it's got. There's some a lot of the cinematography, a lot of the style, a lot of the 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 way that you really see. I think, and a lot of the storytelling comes from how it's shot, as much as like where it's shot and the characters and the costumes and all the other stuff that you might traditionally kind of latch on to no absolutely it's, it's to do with the flow of the movie as well um we sort of move even what we're watching now we're sort of moving from shot to shot we had a bit of a shaky cam earlier it's a handheld camera um and where they intentionally make it shaky to sort of like it's really clever throughout this movie to kind of like reinforce movement in the scene they move the camera mm-hmm. yeah trump plaza we get to see there wow he's There's inescapable it's another example of where Trump he just keeps showing up in movies because he was actually quite a cultural mainstay, uh, it turns out. Sam, he's about to be re-elected as president. He's about to spank Abraham Simpson on two non-consecutive occasions. Oh, good Lord. That's a very good reference, actually, Dave. Hold on. This is definitely... This is peak peak, Brad Pitt. Peak Brad Pitt, isn't it? It has to be. It's post seven, um, post Fight Club. Fight Club was ninety eight or ninety nine. Ninety nine, yeah. Yeah. So this is like after all of his like huge nineties hits, Um, and it's um, it's not Tobin Bell. It's Topher. So, so this is this is the these are all. The idea of this being that they're all like celebrities who are trying to learn how to play poker. Yeah. 
and they're idiots. They're idiots. None of them, none of them can do it. And this guy is basically just chopping around. And I think that's post such Grace a, like, is in his post post that seventy show, but pre Spider Man three. Who else yeah. have we got at this table? We've got Holly Marie Combs on the left. Uh, I don't recognize that guy's any... name. I can't remember. No, I don't know. I mean, they don't even know. They don't even know deal to your left. You know the <laughs> how pathetic these fucking yuppies are. Yeah. <laughs> left, left. He'll get it. He'll get it eventually. <laughs> I love this film. You know, I, I have to say, Dave, it's really dangerous that we don't just sit and watch this movie. I know, I know. I know. Why don't you tell me while we're watching this poker scene? Because we're sort of we're having the the setup to the movie. We've all seen the fucking movie. Um, tell me about the because this is a remake, isn't it? Sort of. It is a remake. Yeah. So I watched. The, and you're uh, a nine... fucking nerd with nothing better to do with your time. Yeah, well, I, to be fair, I watched it while I was working, so I don't know if that makes me a good you need employee. You stop admitting that on the podcast, Sam. Somebody might be listening. Somebody might be. Look at his reaction, because he's got all <laughs> oh, reds. reds. <laughs> so, yeah, the 1961. Now, I went in with pretty low expectations because I've seen the Rotten Tomatoes score, um, and it's not good. And yet still, I think my expectations were too high because I expected there to be like a semblance of this movie in it, which I know is stupid because this movie was made afterwards. And yet the movie just doesn't have almost anything to do with this. Like the style is that we're talking movie? about. It is a heist movie. They rob five casinos in one night. Uh, and and so I think that kind of represents where we're at compared to this movie, which is very much focused on uh, one on Terry, Terry Benedict's casino. And yet, yeah, like, well, I think you, it focuses this movie. Well, exactly, because you you spend you spend the time, you know, they're robbing these five casinos, and it doesn't really amount to much because it's not quite. The, the, the stakes almost aren't as high because we're not focused on the impact of robbing one. And we don't really get a protagonist, uh, uh, an antagonist, sorry, in, in the 1961. We don't have a Terry Benedict character. We have a, a bunch of them, but they're all just like, well, this is bad. And we don't get the, the chalkboard, this is the plan scene until 53 minutes into this two-hour, seven-minute movie. <laughs> I wonder, um, have you got a timestamp on your, your screen? It's annoying. Oh, there it is. Nine So minutes. keep an eye and see what, where the plan is in this, because I still think this is going to be half an hour in. Just as a sidebar, and I want to pay attention to this throughout the movie. Everyone is dressed like shit. And it's obviously dressed, fashion. Fashion has changed. They're dressed like, like the 2000s. This is what I'm saying. It's a snapshot. No, they, no, they're dressing like it's the 90s, Sam. But it is, basically. That's what, the, the, this Brad is Pitt why... Brad frosted tips... If Frosted Tips, he's got this huge tie, the big tie, whereas huge now we all shirt. go skinny tie. Like this is this You're is why five I, years I, out from the skinny tie, though. Yeah, and we weren't even. We, I mean, I was eleven when this came out. It's not like I, I was sitting playing <laughs> poker. Though. Yeah, like I, I. So, but but still, I think there's something that really is attractive to me in that. 
this is this for me is one of those absolutely typical 2000s movies in in that fashion stuff in the in the hair the makeup that i think i i felt like it, uh, that i identified with that quite early on you know even even the late 2010 uh, the early 2010s i was going this is a really fucking old looking movie but in a really positive way in that kind of like quintessential well, in the same way aged that, into being a classic movie um, and it is a bit schlocky and it is a bit trashy but I will it is a fight you to the death if you call this trashy or schlocky. It is a bit trashy, I, Sam. I, I, to explain to me I how, just mean that. I... I just mean that in terms of it's in 2001, large ensemble movies generally don't work. They're generally not good. And I, this is good, but generally, like this is like a, we're going to cast all these people, millions of people, and admittedly this movie benefits from a lot of those people being a lot more famous now than they were then. Um, and then people are going to go and see it because it's got all these people in it. Yeah, yeah, that is true. But then that's the kind like of they weren't remaking the movie, Ocean's Eleven because Ocean's Eleven was a hot property. They were remaking no. Ocean's Eleven because someone had a script based on the original film. Yeah, and back to the nineteen sixty one. It's very much like we've got Dean Martin singing "Ain't That a Kick in the Head." <laughs> like it, Thank God literally no singing in this. He does that multiple, he's singing multiple times. We've got Sinatra, we've got Sammy Davis Jr., we've got like all of these, and they're kind of just playing themselves. They're kind of just playing themselves. You know, so here we go. Here we get a hint of the, of the plan. And the, the bringing the gang back together stuff. You know, that's the thing, isn't it? We're bringing the we're bringing the band together. So we've got a plan. We've got a plan, and yeah. we are twelve minutes in. You're right. That is tight. That is tight filmmaking. Yeah, and it's not it's not completely set out, is it? In the same way, but we do have that. No, kind but of sense twelve of... minutes into the movie, we're kind of establishing the stakes. Yeah, Danny Ocean's come out of prison with such a stupid name, by the way. Um, or was it stupid in 1960? I don't know. It's the same name, so probably. Yeah. None of the other characters um, have the same names, um, as far as I, or not, not all of them anyway. So Rusty Danny Ocean feels like a 1960s character name. Yeah, I don't think it is. The second double check, but I think they're certainly they're not they're not analogous characters to you know who they are in the films. I love these little references to. To Jethro's, blah, 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 blah. Having a made-up language that sounds like it's technical. Yeah. And the interplay between Brad Pitt and George Clooney, I think, is excellent. The way they're almost, like, telepathically connected. They know what each other are going to say next, and it works so well. It's excellent chemistry. And two of the biggest stars of, the, of the, you know, the time and now, like... I think, hanging out. I just, think these guys had a bigger 2000, 2000 to 2010 than they did in 1990 to 1999. Um, mm. So I think this is very, very much like the apex. <coughs> pardon me, the apex of their sort of box office draw. I mm-hmm. suppose Brad Pitt's still a box office draw. Yeah, but he's not making that many movies now, is he? I think this he's is when they're still, they're still working. They're still working, you know. 
The house the always wins. On. There we go. It, you know, it's also, I think, one of the things I enjoy about it is that it's like nobody talks like this because lean in. The house always wins. Like no, no one, no one is, no one is having this, these type of conversations. But it's that cool thing, isn't it? It's that Brotherhood of Thieves thing that we get in all these movies. Yeah. Elliot Gould in just the most outrageous costuming, and look at the set design it's Mr. as well. Geller. Like, look at all of his jewellery. Massive glasses. Like, these are fucking... These are, this is a proper rich guy. Proper, like, Las Vegas yeah, you rich can't guy, look like that. You can't look that shit when you're poor. No. I like this little flashback. Brilliant, isn't it? The money everywhere. Oof. <laughs> and in the in the six nineteen sixty version, they are they basically steal from these five casinos by doing the blackout, and then the doors of the cashiers' cages. So not the vault, not the vault. Yeah. Um. Uh, gets they basically rewire them so that when there's a blackout it, op- it opens these electronically uh, closed doors is how they described it electronically and then <laughs> well that was like in this movie sound where they've made up like Jethro and things and all sorts of made up terms in the 60s you could just use the word electrical and people would think it was space people are wow but it's kind of what he says about the 1960s do do the first one who gets uh, who gets hit by, you know, uh, uh, stealing the lockbox. That's kind of what they did. They, I think they're getting like a million dollars each, which is still a lot in the 60s, isn't it, of course? But they definitely opt I think scale. it's only like 15, 20 million or something each on this, isn't it? Less? Uh, yeah, I can't remember. They do tell you later on, don't they, how much it is. But here we go. Here's some nice interplay. <laughs> Here's the hook. Blasio the movie spends a lot of time, actually, I think, treading water in. And when do we meet Benedict, do you reckon? Soon. But that's when the movie starts, sort of starts to coalesce into, like, being really engaging is when we've met the bad guy. And he's fucking yeah. Julia Roberts. We'll get to that. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what you need from a film like this, though, isn't it? You need someone to hate. You need a baddie who is going to make what they're doing all right because these guys are thieves these guys are you know low life they're not stealing from grandmas necessarily but you know kind of that's that's the level we're at especially uh, Matt Damon's well, you character to, when, when you've got a movie with an anti-hero which is what what these guys are because they're criminals you kind of have to make the the antagonist worse so you could imagine a movie where these con men, these thieves, are the bad guys. But so to make them the good guys, we have to make the bad guy Hitler, basically. Yeah. And then bring in Andy Garcia, who I think is like this. This, this is where the performance is just 
so good because really he doesn't do anything wrong, does he? What does he do wrong? Oh, we're getting the gang together, Sam. Bernie Mac. This is a great little cut together scene like with the uh, and this, and this music. George Clooney talking over it. Did it did. The Mormons can't Utah yeah. County Raceway. Look at this. Look at this. With the Rossi car and then the big one in the same paint job rocks up. I mean, honestly, I just fucking love this. Like, where did this come from? That's the, Because there isn't the source material, all of this is just from the creative mind of, of, uh, of Soderbergh. So you just... I just think it's fantastic. Let's go back and forth. Off, off the little car goes. It's Casey Affleck, isn't it? I don't know who the other guy is. Casey Affleck, yeah, and I can't remember. <laughs> so stupid. So it was written, the screenplay was written by Ted Griffin, whose credits include Ravenous, 1999 horror, starring Guy Pearce, Matchstick Men, black comedy directed by Rudy Scott, Nicholas Cage, Sam Rockwell, and this. And then he's done not much else after it, to be honest. You're kind of like the you're the eighth guy in Ocean's uh, <laughs> Eleven. I think he came back for the sequel, so he continues to get paid. Oh, this guy, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Ted Griffin also, who was producer on Wolf of Wall Street. So I mean, this is this obviously is kind of type of movie where you go, there you go. You don't have to work that much over the next few years because you're going to get plenty of residual checks through. Well, yeah, because of like nepotism, Sam. You've met all of these like. You know, Brad Pitt and George Clooney were some of the biggest stars in the world at this time. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't hurt, does it? Oh, worst thing in the movie. It's coming. Oh, the, the, the oh, uncredited, the uncredited performance. I just don't understand why the accent. I don't get it. No. And what's with this crew as well? Yeah. And it's such a bizarre... They, they, like... I think they've tried to make them look quite European. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's got to be It's got to be the worst accent in film, uh, cinema history, isn't it? Like, it doesn't it's... get much. Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins, pretty bad. Yeah. But still, this has to be worse. I think this is nearly as bad as that. He's not dancing and singing Chim Chimney, but, you know, he's not far off. It's pretty bad. Look at this nonsense he's talking. G4 mainliner back fuse. Fine. What does he say? What he says. It's techno babble. Just find him, <laughs> will you? Go get Griggs. Tell him I need to. Who? Terrific. That's terrific, that is. 
So one thing about watching this with sound on, you just like oh, I have to listen to. Triff it, it's Now we get the uh, the grease guy. So we've talked about the cinematography, which I think is really. T- I mean, look at this. These, these lanterns this is absolutely beautiful like i think you know that that concept of every frame of painting is very much true with this and there's the intentionality to it isn't there because you didn't need to show us a circus here no but they but they do and this is what happens in the in the 60s one as well is they have this like this whip round except it it lasts 53 minutes of <laughs> of uh of the gang but it's just not as effective as this this is like the modern version isn't it where you're gonna have something really snappy well it's paced we've it's been, it's 20 22 minutes we've been watching this and we've already met everyone but matt damon i think yeah well, he's matt damon isn't it i'm not losing my mind yeah matt damon we got yeah we need saul first carl reiner and then we'll get oh carl reiner r.i.p he's definitely dead right yeah definitely I don't mean to sound so excited. I'm just like, I you vaguely remember yeah, him dying, dying like 10 June, years ago. June 2020. That's Rest actually not that long ago. He He's fucking 90 years old in this movie. <clears throat> People don't look this old anymore. Um, he died age 98. So he God wasn't damn. quite 90. But That's a good going. I really love this performance from him. Um, yeah. Uh, such pathos to it. Lyman like Zilger. My yeah. name is Lyman Zilger. My name. Because the rest of them, I mean, like, what, Brad Pitt's like 30. George Clooney's a couple of years older. Uh, Damon might even be younger than that. Mm-hmm. Look at this box. You know, so it's, it's kind of a young man's movie, and they're all quite goofy. And I think Carl Reiner adds has a certain amount of gravitas to it. Yeah, well, he tells them off later, doesn't he? He's, you know, he's he's been doing this this grift for years, and it's not really clearly it's not really paid off because he's betting on the dog track. Well, that's the kind of like, and the sequel's going to get into this as well. That's kind of the whole thing about grifting, isn't it? That he represents is actually like, yeah, we can rob this casino, but. It's a bit like the mafia, like you'll just spaff it all at the races and then in six weeks you'll need money again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see? Guys like us don't change exactly because you're gonna have to you're gonna continue to grift people because that's what you do. And we haven't talked about it, but Brad Pitt is eating almost constantly throughout this this movie which I think is another nice little touch oh, look at this look at this look at the, I love the colour in this scene the colour grading is beautiful the framing the framing is really really good I'm, I'm not sure if I appreciated that in previous watches yeah. and it's uh, so static where they place the camera it? is very clever yeah yeah look at we this. do get a lot of like movement in cameras later on but a lot of this is like cuts to a static shot but you know with an intentionality that's just very clever. I think it it paces the movie nicely at the beginning, and so we're not right. We're not we're not rushing ahead. This scene where uh, Brad Pitt's on the God watching the bar, sports in a bar silently. That's life. Look at that with a little napkin under your drink. 
You think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. Slow motion. So I was I was talking about the uh, cinematography as we keep talking about this, and on w- Wikipedia it says Peter Andrews, and then when you click on the link, it's to Steven Soderbergh. Uh, and it's, so it's a synonym, uh, not a synonym, a um, uh, words fail me, pretend name that he uses for uh, yeah Monica. Uh, no. Yeah, maybe uh, for uh, doing his own cinematography. So he's the director of, 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 you know, he's the DP on this movie. Which and you can tell that someone in, who knows well, the stuff is making this. Like, you know, and it's it kind not, of fits in with his movies. He's you know Aaron Brockovich. It's not Citizen Kane, but it's it's competent. All of these shots are comp- could be better lit, but they're competent. Yeah, I kind of like that style though. I kind of like, I and mean, I kind of generally like his his overall style. I think as the movies progress, they certainly does fall away. Like I don't think like twelve is pretty trashy. Thirteen better. What Patrick Bateman would think of that business card? <sighs> That's around here as well, isn't it? Yeah, Linus. Pocketbook. How old is Matt Damon here? Well, we can do the maths. Well, I can't, but you can. Matt Damon, oh. year of birth. Let's have a look. 1970. So he's 31? 32? Clooney is only nine years older than Damon. I think yeah. they do a good job of making it seem like more than that. Well, the baseball cap and the, the clean shave and him and all that does help, doesn't it? Matt Damon is also somebody I think he was young until he was 45. Like, do you know what I mean? It seemed like a switch flipped. Young, 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 yeah. young, young, 45. Yeah, overnight. There we go. More helicopter shots with Elvis playing. It doesn't get much Vegas. better, does it? It really captures, actually. Like, if, you see, if you've seen that Louis III documentary about Vegas. Yeah. And that kind of like is the antithesis of this movie where that's what Vegas really is like. And it's just depressing and it's a load of pensioners like losing all their money in the casino because they're like degenerate gamblers. And then this is like the sexy, big like millionaires. Everyone's good looking. Everyone's really punchy. Having, you know, like the, the you know, uh, the most engaging, sexiest conversations you can possibly imagine. Everyone's having a great time in these casinos. <laughs> I love this. What do you go, you guys? Go Are they kids? There? <laughs> <laughs> it is goofy. This is a goofy movie. And I think the humour is actually really important, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we're talking about the pacing as well. Like, it's really hard. There's, right now, there are, what, like 10 main cast members? Like, re- re- realistically. Yeah. You know, these are important people. We haven't even met Benedict and Julia Roberts yet. Like, but we've got ten people we're expected to remember, know what their special skills are, and the movie's kind of already told us all of that. I think it's a really, really efficient storytelling. Yeah, well, as you say, we're twenty nine minutes in, we kind of, and this is it. The gang is together, more or less. The gang, the, the gang's together, and we, in again, in the sixties, one, we've still got a fucking twenty five minutes before we even touch in the sides of what actually the plan is, and even then, it doesn't explain it very well. <clears throat> Whereas, because we're I love this bit here. Yeah, you're Bobby Cobble's son. Get in the fucking house. <laughs> like, just... 
It's excellent. It's fun. <laughs> Get in the goddamn house. This smoking it's funny jacket. That it's kind of like phrased like he's the son of their friends, and you're like, there's nine years. Nine years between them. Yeah. Yeah. Which would put him around. He's probably supposed to be around 19, isn't he? I suppose 18, actually they're setting it out now. They are robbing three casinos, basically. Yeah, sorry. But they, what I think I'm, they're robbing one person, aren't they? The point is they're going to target Terry Benedict, which is kind of more of the. I love I love Matt Damon's character in this because he is he is just does not know anything. It's also the idea that he's a relatively serious man as well. Yeah. As much as they're Can we watch the bit... technology just for a minute and like just enjoy the the nineties of this? Yeah, let's zoom in on that. What the Tron it's a Mac. video here. So they're they're on a Mac. Form Z is that software? Let's have a look. Form Z soft. It is. Do you think you really had fingerprint activated elevators in 2001 that worked? I think probably. I think I think it might suffer from that kind of James Bond effect where we're going to have something really outrageous. The lasers feels crazy. The lasers are quite outrageous later on. Yeah, the lasers are stupid. Yeah. But then they're not lasers, not cutting them up. They're just sensors, aren't they? But it's like, well, Formz is real 3D mapping software. So there we go. That's real. The um, the ground sensors are real. Yeah. That's because of robberies like the um, that big one in London. Um, uh huh. Where they 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 had a shop two doors in, down. So that a lot thought, of yeah. underground vaults do have like things that earthquakes set off and stuff, because it's like well, that's the easiest way for someone to secretly rob us is to tunnel in. Yeah, but that one in London, um, hundred and fifty million dollars. So it is like ten each or so. Yeah, ten or eleven each. So the that's the Baker Street robbery in the nineteen seventies. And I think they had the underground sensors, but they turned them off because passing trucks or maybe some construction kept setting off the alarm. <laughs> so yeah. they just turned it off and thought, that's fine. Nothing bad will happen. I love how we don't consider in this movie that the mafia is going to murder, murder you all because you're robbing a casino. Yeah. It's a real, like, I'm cleverer than you sort of movie as well. Where our main characters are kind of like constantly two steps ahead of us and the bad guy. Yeah. Which is an important thing, isn't it? You need to be ahead of the audience. And if you're going to. It's gonna, what if makes you're them so likeable. It. It's that ultra confidence that no actual human being possesses. Yeah. Yeah. Other than. Confidence and competence, I should say. I feel like I'd get caught doing the reconnaissance, Sam. What are you looking at? Uh, nothing. I'm not yeah, gonna rob you. Get out. Dancer. So, yeah, you're right. And I think a lot of it, a lot of this is, it only works because 
they're able to they're able to keep the audience in the dark whereas i don't think generally if you watch this the first time i don't think it's very easy to figure out what actually happens at the end and i think if you don't you have need that, the the breakdown don't you of the oh in case you missed it you know the tropey sort of thing and they go back and they like, go this back is all easy to follow this is all easy to follow because we're being told about the plan but it's been explained bit by bit we get these little cute funny scenes and we get to see again the characters and we know them this guy's called i mean i couldn't tell you their na- any of their names but you know this guy's the electrics expert this guy's the computer expert this guy's the driver like you know we know what their special skills are so we know what they're being asked to do yeah carl reiner is is the front man isn't he? he's the face and Clooney he's and, yeah um, elliot gould uh, the finance here Mm-hmm. They're, they're the you know they're the brains behind it. <laughs> Still the key card, it's brilliant. Where are you putting that? Cause I always like that. Like, oh, I'll just hide this key card somewhere. Eaten again. Say hi to your mum for such me. an Take obvious yourself. joke. She'll be on stage in five minutes. Look at the balloons. The balloons. We get more of this. It's genius. Oh, look at this cinematography. And the it's way clever. we don't actually see, we just see the top of the balloons for, for this bit. I, I just think it's great. I just think what it's it is, Sam, great. is it's visually interesting. Like it's not like auteur but it's visually interesting to make all the cross cuts and all the fades to make you pay attention it's not just cutting between these things so we see the top of the balloons and it blurs into that next shot with the balloons yeah this is a trope isn't it the um creating an argument the use of fake distraction and is that the first use of split screens we've had we have two different uh no i think we've had it once before yeah, but it's quite delicately used at the beginning, isn't it? Because I think they want to just ease us in, whereas actually the split-screen Ocean's Eleven style thing becomes a bit of a trope as oh, we progress. Hollywood sweat guys are about to be here, Sam. Look. Oh, look at this. They were working. Do you not, do you not think that becomes a bit of a trope, though? The idea of, like, Ocean's Eleven, don't, don't, don't it, and we have got a music splitting in, and then we're going to have a cutaway, and then zooms. Like, this movie embodies yeah. something. And it spawned a million, every TV, I was thinking about this, the American Dad episode where they do an Ocean's Eleven thing. Um, and there's a Rick and Morty episode, a really recent Rick and Morty episode where they're making fun of Ocean's Eleven um, and kind of like every other movie that followed it, including, you know, the three or possibly, have they made a sequel to that um, female casted Ocean's movie? Like possibly <laughs> four movies that followed this. Yeah. Um, Pain. Pain. Hustlers were hot. He's a balloon boy. Do you remember? Do you remember Hustle, the the British show? Yes, Hustle. That was that had a moment, didn't it? But even yeah, something I rewatched like... them a few years ago. Um, but it's very similar to this in that they're like con men and they speak the same language and it's all the same like things which do exist. Like, but there's no like fraternity of con men, <laughs> which is the thing that these movies always I think catch on is like the idea that oh they all know each other and there's a code and they don't yeah. rob from children or nuns and you're like. It's no. it's it's the um, you know the, the the moral thief isn't it thing that <clears throat> this isn't so bad like they are just robbing this guy at least hustle is like um, they are usually like oh you know um, there's a moral moralistic side to that 
Yeah, fuck that. Just take him down. That's what he gets for being rich. Let's rob rich people. I'm all up for that. Let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah, the sweat. The sweat is intense on the... Oh, no, wrong way. Other way. The look. Pitt and, Pitt and Clooney are very good in this. I think they have good chemistry together. And I, I can't think of who else he would cast in those roles. No, I think certainly as a team, they've, they've got something nailed down there that's quite... Step one, don't be not attractive. That helps. It helps, I'll tell you. <laughs> yep, step two, just be ultra-confident. And be, step one is really important to that, but step two, be ultra-confident because you're really, really attractive. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a fine line between what you're saying and some interesting incel arguments that, uh, that that come up. So just be careful there, Dave. I'm not saying it's fair, Sam. I'm just saying that <laughs> that's that's how the world works. Works. If I looked like Brad Pitt, do you think I'd be having this conversation with you on a Thursday night? I'm offended by that very statement. If you look like George Clooney, would we be having this conversation on a on a Thursday night? Yes, because I need I need my schlobby night, Dave, where I hang out with normal people, so I don't become too uh, at this like kids. But again, this is like, well, this guy is being horrible. He's being horrible. He's squeezing this guy's hand. It's a, you know, it's a business that he, and he's like, well, I'm going to find a way of getting some more money out of this whole thing. The whole common thing is it's intimidation and like psychologically manipulating your your target. And this is what, that's what this is. But it kind of, it's one of those things actually, I think doesn't shed, show these characters in a very good light. We get a bit of that later on as well. But they're criminals. And we're like, oh yeah, he's the hero. He ripped off this like poorly dressed car salesman who's obviously like a total scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> the gloves. Interference in his uh, social agenda. All the time squeezing his hand. Five grand. <laughs> you do that. Have you ever been fitted for a suit like that? Have I had a custom suit made for me, Dave? No. I think I know the answer. I'm just trying to make conversation. <laughs> Have you had a custom suit made for you? In, uh, no. In, no. In a Romanov fucking villa? Like, was No, of course I have. I mean, I've had suits tailored to me, but that's a very different thing, isn't it? I'm not even sure I've done that. Well, like weddings and stuff. Yeah, maybe. Daniel. So salty. I love this. He's ready. <laughs> you know this movie My so name. well. Lyman. Lyman. Lyman Zerger. Zerger. 
why is it when you're pretending to be like a rich, why is he not just like a rich American guy? <laughs> I don't know. Just sells Wouldn't it. Wouldn't you be suspicious more, of some like weird pan-European guy who showed up to your hotel with a load of emeralds? More suspicious than you would be if he was from Texas. No, I think I think it's because then be like, oh, so how? Where are you from in Texas? Is like, well, I'm, I'm from. You'd run out of rope quite quick. Whereas if you're from, you know, Albania, Crane, which is oh, you've never heard of that. It's yes, it's Belgium, Stan. Yeah. Spangeria. And here he is, Andy Garcia. Here we go. 42 minutes. It's a long time. Considering it's quite brave he, to have that in your movie, isn't it? To not have the antagonist show up for 42 minutes of a 90-minute movie. Yeah. I think it adds to the stakes, though, doesn't it? It adds to the emotional stakes of, like, so we're going to rob the place, but we're also going to... steal from like a person and we're going to embody that person to someone who you know like generally is fine but they, i think the performance is so good that we're really we this really is become a, this is an anti-establishment it. movie in a way that obviously other movies that came before this are a bit like um the color of money is also a sort of similar thing it's kind of telling you that being the straight man, like going and working a job and being hardworking and conscientious and profitable is bad. It's somehow like infringing on your like freedom as as a as a person. The yeah. way that Benedict in this movie is portrayed as like he's a bad guy. He doesn't go home and beat his wife. Uh he doesn't, you know, murder children. He's just a ruthless businessman. That's his only sin really. And he's yeah. a, you know, he's a bit of a shitty person, but like we don't actively actively learn lots of bad things about him. The worst also, thing about him is that he's got all this money and you know control and businessman bad scumbag con man good. Yeah, but also that these people don't want to get a get a day job. Here we go. And here's Julia Roberts. Speaking of big stars. Name a bigger female star in 2001. I'll wait. Probably doesn't exist, does it? No. Although this is potentially just after Julia Roberts' peak, maybe. Or maybe even at her peak, do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. In terms of the amount of movies she was making. Soderbergh, obviously, uh, directed Aaron, Bro Aaron Brockovich, which is a big Julia Roberts picture. I think Jerry Roberts is pretty good generally. Like I think she's, I, think I don't, I don't think she's got a well. I, she's not got loads to do in that kind of like it's a movie for men by men with men, you know. But there is a truth, yeah. And the studio decided we don't need to confuse people by putting more than one woman in this for them to dribble over. Yeah, the audience might fall asleep and wake up, and there's another woman on screen and confuse them for the first one. Um. But yeah, this is absolutely peak. Women don't exist, um, except this one woman. Mm. So, as I eat a sweet audience, watching the 1961, Roberts clearly mirrors, I think, <clears throat> the performance. There's something that's this 
very static way that she's acting and even the hair and the style um, to the 1960s uh, Danny, uh, Mrs. Ocean and problem is in that movie there, there are actually more women but they're just props basically and they're just used <laughs> as props because yeah. it's the 1960s which you know you can imagine so something changes something stay the same hmm But along with the Danny, but along with the Andy Garcia introduction, I think having this is is is, is clever because it gives you that other emotional weight. Like there's this love triangle that's going on, and I think without it, well, that's an extra mistake, doesn't it? Of like, it, yeah, it makes it much more personal. Like at any point in the movie. They could back out, and then you know they've lost the, their their in investment. But you know, um, any sort of mistakes is is what it is. But when we introduce Julia Roberts, that's then the impetus for Danny to to do this. Yeah, but it's also like not- Rusty says, it's you know, tell me this isn't about screwing the guy who's screwing your wife, which is absolutely what it's about. Yeah, but that that emotional motivation is interesting as well, isn't it? So. He, and this is where I think the screenplay is just so clever to, to to really not be taken much from the original and to just imbue it with something that's brand new, like I think is, is great. And look at the $5,000 chip. God damn it. <laughs> Everything Carl Ryan says in this movie is so stupid. Yeah. I don't believe in questions. What does that I sentence don't mean? Believe in weakness. It costs too much. Have you ever been in a big casino like this? No. Um, I'm too poor, basically, and I'm not very good at gambling because mostly by which I mean I'm not I'm not really interested. I think I would win a bet, and it, however small an amount it was, then I would leave or stop gambling. Cash me out, but sir, you've only made $4. Yep, cash me out. I'm up. Cash me out. Mm. Uh, we nearly went to a casino for Ross's stag do in, in Prague. Um, but uh, they wanted passports. They wanted ID from everyone, and someone didn't have their uh, driving license or a passport on them. So we didn't go in. In Prague? Yeah. Who didn't have their passport in Prague? How did you get to Prague with that? One of Ross's 12 friends. They left it at like the accommodation. Oh, I see, right. Um, but uh, it's not really my thing. I've played poker before. Um, do you do you remember us playing poker in university? Till like four in the morning. Till, this has just quid. hit me. This has just hit me. And I think I won. accommodation in 2008. Yes. Or nine, I think maybe. I won. Yeah, maybe. I think you it's the only... Fiver. It must, you must be quite a wealthy man now. I think it was literally a five. Did we not all put a fiver in and that was our stakes? Yeah. So, oh, no, yeah, had... so it will have been like 30 quid. Pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I probably just... I don't even know why. I, I probably bought... Every, did I buy you a drink, maybe? I don't know. It's no, because you left at like five in the morning or something. Doesn't sound like me, does it? No. I've been in. I've not been into a big casino like this. Obviously, Vegas and that, and the the idea does not appeal to me. Number one, I've got. 
kind of addictive personality. So if I get into <laughs> something, I am just so I feel like I could lose my entire life um, in 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 this. But also, I'm also I'm quite cheap, and so the 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 one time I've been into a slightly, you know, a bit more high high stakes uh, casino, there was I was watching other people play, and guy there was a guy were like putting down four five six fifty uh pound chips god and just and then just thinking and then losing them and i was just like that's like 250 quid gone gone and i think the the fundamental thing of gambling into gambling or you're not i don't know i think the losing makes you more addicted than the winning um, yeah, there's even, also even, tons around. To be fair, I think I think well, you know there's gambling shops, but casino-wise, there's a couple in Manchester. I think there's one in Leeds, um, but it's not something. And I've never had friends who are like, "Oh, let's go to the casino," because I'm like, "No, can't we go to like a a pub with music, but quiet music and mid-range priced beer, and we can just yeah. stay there all night in a corner until they tell us to go home." Yeah, and and if I'm gonna and obviously winning money would be fun but i just as this house always wins it's it's bet against it's bet against you isn't it and i just think it's a it's yeah. a messed up system i also it's think a that like gambling shops, industry of just taking advantage of people who are hopeful yeah and there are more gambling shops in places of deprivation and poverty so that tells you exactly what you need weird to know it's this movie doesn't attack casinos Benedict is a bad guy, but at no point are casinos bad. No, because no, a lot of these people they live and they breathe casinos, don't they? You know, they're, they're part of the culture as much as anyone else is. So, money, money—it's America. Money is king. Money, baby, money, money, money. Casinos are like a, you know, a holy land. You watch the watch Las Vegas stuff, and in that Louis Theroux thing. Um, well, I feel like I'm always talking about 25-year-old Louis Theroux documentaries. Um, but he's talking to somebody who's gone, like, he every year he goes to Vegas, this the same weekend or whatever, and he's there for four days, and he blows 30 grand every year. Who are these people? Where do they get this money from? I guess it's just, like, America's mad. We're just watching the movie again now. We are just oh, watching it's it. It's because it's a great scene, especially I think Andy Garcia and Roberts together is really like you can see the tension. You can see that there the is subtext is like how big's your dick? Are you fucking my wife? Like it really is like, but it's just well done. There's two good actors and three because Julie Roberts is good as well. But she's a bit of a side part of this conversation. But like, there's good tension between the three of them, and it's reasonably well written, and we get enough. You know, but it's posturing. Yeah. It's male posturing in front of a woman, and and it's very clever. But then at we the same time, I think this, I Roberts think. is is kind of she's she's also leading that, isn't she, a bit? Because <clears throat> I think probably more because of her concern around how Andy Garcia is going to react. You know, 
hey, if I if I if I had that comp that that choice, am I gonna stay married to Andy Garcia or am I gonna go back to my ex husband George Clooney? I would struggle with that decision. Oh no, I'm definitely staying with Andy Garcia. I've got a cushy job in his hotel. I can do. I've got all the money in the world, or I can go back to this loser who's going to be George Clooney's selling, got those baby blues, Sam. He's going to be selling fake Rolexes within six months, and we know it. All right. There's an excitement to that. There's not stability. <laughs> That's what. I want. Here we go. This is my favorite shot of the whole movie. So this is the one with the we got Terry Benedict. Everyone up on the uh, on the plinth to blow up this casino. The winds blowing. They've all got sunglasses on. Everyone turns around to watch the casino. <laughs> Clooney's stalking up. his ex-wife and Damon's stalking him. <laughs> Look at this shot. With a little sound I effect. I wouldn't want to stand this close. And then and then Don Cheadle's watching it on telly and it's happening behind him. Incredible. And importantly, he's not talking. <laughs> oh, and that's where they get the idea for the pinch. You know, I've never put that together before. I've seen this movie a dozen times. Um, but, but maybe. Maybe. No, definitely, because the lights went off when they blew up the building. Yeah, I didn't know that was the idea for the bill. Oh, we'll see. I've we'll never put out. that together. Maybe that, that maybe that's showcasing how stupid I am. I don't know. I didn't. I don't. Think, I didn't necessarily see that as the idea of where it came from. But he looks around. He has the light bulb moment and then leaves the room. Hmm. Look at this. This is and a this real is the guy fake out. in a real. This is the fake tube. out where we think we think we're watching the heist. Yeah, not for very long though. But it's the but it's the hint at the fake out later, isn't it? Is that they they you know as well. We'll see what happens. But to me, this is real. That looks like a wire shot to me. Yeah, it's got to be. This accent <laughs> nonsense. Oh, I see. I see. Sorry, the thing with the hotel, the casino, they've that's made them realise what the flaw in the system is that they were going to exploit. There we go. Barney. Ugh. Rubble. Trouble. I'm from Peckham. Again, this the telepathic George Clooney uh, 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 Pip. <laughs> I do like how they also don't know what he's talking about all the time. Yeah. So no, this is where they bring up the pinch, isn't it? So he says, unless we've got yeah. a, a a nuclear bomb without the bomb, an EMP, which is one of my favourite tropey things that comes up in in the late nineties, two thousand movies. It's an EMP, and we could just buy these off the street. No problem. How does an EMP work? Doesn't matter. Water, for some reason. <laughs> so is this totally made up then? 
Well, an EMP is... Obviously, like you said, a nuclear bomb would do this, but I'm not sure you can create that without... On the scale they're using this film, I mean. Yeah, not the scale. Not the scale. Um, In terms of, like, could you buy an EMP? No. Not like this. But if you dropped a nuclear bomb, as it says in the movie, you'd have a maybe a similar effect, but even still. Don't leave me with these guys. <laughs> this is a clever, again, a bit of an efficient scene where, for whatever reason, they decided they didn't need to show us this heist. Yeah. It's, good, it's well, a good, it's back- good framing of action where we get to see Matt Damon like be an idiot, but it's all from outside of the outside of the building. I think that's just mm-hmm. clever, and it's like a real. It's it's the real lightness of this movie as well, isn't it? It's the thing that I think characterizes it against. Maybe look at these cuts of, of Matt Damon <laughs> just getting increasingly exasperated. Until he's like, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going in. And then almost instantly. But we never pan in the building. And number one, you've saved a a fucking fortune. A fortune on filming. Because it's literally, we're we're just going to film in the the parking lot of this building. Yeah, at night. It'll probably be one day. That looks like a Star Trek gadget. It's a warp reactor. Where's Linus? <laughs> see Don see Don Cheadle there, I think get some direction to move to the left slightly. Yeah. Because he was blocking Look at this. Look at this. Brilliant. Like I said, it, it, there's a competence to this where it's maybe not as flashy and you don't it's not a movie you instantly think of and be like, Oh my god, that's so well shot, he's a genius, you know, he's doing things with the camera no one else does. You know, this isn't like early Scorsese or anything. This is just, he's made, he's a competent filmmaker who knows what he's doing and he's intentionally getting these shots and creating this atmosphere with the camera, which not all directors do. Certainly, I would say a lot of the sequels aren't as good as this in this respect. Yeah. There, there, there's something no singular about it. There's something singular about it. comedy it's looks funny. like, oh, he's, he's going to fall down the windscreen instead. That's funnier than just getting into that. Yeah. <laughs> you stupid bastard. And then the hand. Oh dear. I love the recriminations. Because you kind of need that moment, don't you? Where not quite all is lost. But, but you need the there's a fuck up. And it's there's not yet time up. for Benedict to realise what's going on, which is like the ultimate all is lost moment, isn't it? Yeah. He will be here. <laughs> <laughs> You're eating constantly. Brad Pitt eating. Was he bulking up for a role or something? Oh, more problems. Oh. 
This is also interesting, isn't it? Like the way that casinos are just, they can do what the fuck they want, basically. And if yep, they want to just... <laughs> anything you do spy. in your own home to him is all nice and legal. Anything you do in your casino is all nice and legal. Yeah. Like they can just spy on anyone. They can throw people out. And like, and you think the power that these casinos have, they are basically what symbolizes Las Vegas. So even the you know the police and everything, this just must be there just to serve the will of these casinos, the jobs that they create, the income that they bring in for the city. Like, well, it's just money. Money talks, and they've got the money, money to grease talks. everyone. Uh, but this is so. Brad Pitt is kicking. Danny Ocean out, but this is all part of the ruse, isn't it? They've already and talked it, about this. No, it's not. It is. No, it is because he has to be out, and they and Terry Benedict has to know that he's out, and so they convince he, he has to convince everyone else. No, I think it's part of Danny's plan. I think I take this scene as real. This is Rusty stepping up and saying, "Listen, we're all you know, we're all pals and all that, but." This is a no, lot because they know that he says you knew, you knew. Matt Damon said, "We'll see later on." I think my memory about this movie is better than yours, Dave. Challenged, yeah, maybe. <laughs> a sure joke about that, HBO. So. I love the acting from Roberts here. Like it's so false, isn't it? What are you thinking about? There's an obvious like reticence, isn't there? And it kind of like front loads that she's thinking about Danny. Yeah. And 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 <laughs> the question, what are you thinking about? It, it's not like a, oh, well, you know, it's not a whimsical. It's it's intrusive, isn't it? Yeah. He wants to control Trolling. what's inside her head. Be specific, but not memorable. Be funny, but don't make them laugh. <laughs> don't what? Oh dear. It's getting a bit toasty for Lyman Zilga. Lyman Zilga. My name is Lyman Zilga. Look at, the, look at the decor in this place. I mean, it no, must have cost them horrible, isn't it? It must have cost them hundreds of thousands to do all this. They haven't I paid anyone. This, I think this is. I don't think this is a set. No, sorry. I meant the. I meant the. Uh, the Elliot Gould's character financing all this. They built a replica yeah. of the. Uh, of the vault. Of the vault. They've got all of the cars, all of the stuff that's required. Is this the night of the heist? Yeah, yeah, because this is when the We're fight's going to go yeah. on, isn't it? Yeah. So again, in the in the sixties one, we've only had the plan for about ten minutes, and now we're actually into the. <laughs> one oh six. 
Oh, it's longer than I thought. 50 minutes left. Yeah, still a while. But then I think so much of that is like, because we get to watch it all twice, don't we? From different perspectives. The grandmother's pearls. Carl Reiner is really doing a great job here, isn't he? <laughs> oh no, the plans are going to shit as well. We just sort of got to stop watching the movie. And he looks like a scumbag also. It's just like, it's just like, so... I have never enjoyed the touch of steel to my wrists. It's like, this guy's a war criminal who has escaped inside. from The Hague. And is now in Las Vegas. Like, it's just brilliant, isn't it? Garcia is very good as well. Well, like we said that, we don't get the, we don't get the drown. I know, I know. We don't get the drowning puppy scene, but we do get the sense that, you know. But but as as we've said, like he doesn't do anything. He's just efficient. Do... You can tell, like he's good at his job. He's no, on no, the I ball. Mean, no, I like... mean he doesn't do anything for us to hate him. Like really, we don't get the drowning puppy scene. Yeah, he beats up Danny Ocean, but he kind of deserves it. He's trying to steal, you know, like the way that he. That it doesn't actually do anything that I think justifies us at the end of the movie going, yeah, we got him. Like, fuck you. That's uh, what I was saying earlier, though. It goes towards, yeah, it, we don't see him being like a total piece of shit. It's car just freshener, royal pine. Car freshener. Um, he's a bad First guy hit. because he's versus our characters. Also, how are security recognising these two guys who've been in, in four different disguises? Rules of the movie, Dave, and it works. I guess it's 2001. Everyone looks like these white guys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Here we go. Matt Damon doing some... Matt some Damon. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things that when you actually think about it too far, the whole plan is just way too complicated, isn't it? You know, if you're getting, in, if you're getting into the real weeds of it, of like, so... They, they're gonna yeah there's no way it should work it's it's impossible and now they're gonna get this guy in there and it's all gonna be like there's just it's really kind of it's really kind of over the top but i suppose because it's so complicated it kind of sells itself in a way that if you make it really simple it sells itself but if you are in the middle somewhere I it's think like it any movie like this sam the minute you think about <laughs> the plan it all fall, you know. The minute you like apply actual real world logic or rules to any of this, it all falls apart. Yeah. 
But here we go, there's another another effort to ruin this guy's life. I mean, it's clever, it's like it's fine, because the, the wheels are all moving at all times. Mm. Danny Ocean's sitting in the middle of the casino like a spider, watching it all. Uh, might give the game away, but that's fine. But again, that's the point, isn't it? They need they need him to be constantly viewable and constantly there because that proves that he didn't do it. Which is why I think all this is intentional from the beginning. I don't know why they couldn't have put a vent in the bottom of that. <laughs> I don't know. Adds tension. It's what we want, more tension. Oh, there's a movie trope coming up, Sam. It's uh, it's irate black man. Yeah, Bernie Mac does some shouting. I, I, I wonder how no one's noticing these little earpieces that they've got in their ears. I'd be, I'd be going, what's, what's, that? what's that in your ear, mate? It's the same with all the James Bond films, Sam. It's like, this guy's got 17 guns, a knife in his shoe, poison darts in his watch, and an earpiece in, and it's like, nobody's like, why are you clinking as you walk? Yeah. It's all very silly, isn't it? No, 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 no. Look at that shot. Again, look, look at that, at that economic use of shots. Is like... Oh. We go from the background of other shots. Matt Damon and Bernie Mac in, and we just zoom into the lift where the two brothers come out with the trolley. Like, come on! So we had it earlier when we zoomed, we, we um, switch from Damon to Danny, and it just it's just the camera just moves across the room, and we're then following somebody else. I really, I think it, I think it is just such the. Yeah, the economy. That's a good word to use, Dave. Like how, you, we if we can avoid a cut, if we can merge it together, it's a, like a, it's that visual feast stuff, isn't it? Keeps the audience. Well, it keeps you engaged and stops engaged. You thinking. You know, all right, I'm waiting for the next shot, and not every filmmaker it, can do this so fluently. Yeah. And here we get another. This is, as we learn later on, this is for something. And we also see the reverse shot of her when she's like closes her eyes in joy when she, when he he gives her a kiss, like all this little stuff that pays off, and that I think comes to uh, what we started with, which is what's a perfect movie. And I think a perfect the the definition of a perfect movie is kind of you know it's kind of subjective, but I think the one that we quite like is that it a movie pays off everything it sets up and I think that's as you get to the end of the movie it's kind of what is it's kind of what makes this movie so interesting I think is that it's almost I don't I think it is perfect I can't think of anywhere where we're left trail with those ragged edges because they they I mean, the, the only the so only thing from me is it's just like I said you could sit down with pen and paper and try and think and like it's just just there's no way this plan works. I think it really is straddling that line of like, oh, it's a precise plan that's worked out or it's a plan that's gone wrong, but we're clever enough and good enough that we've got around it into like, 
the plan hinges on it failing in certain ways that we've predicted and already accounted for, and that is the yeah. plan. And it's just a bit like but, you need but a supercomputer and fucking parallel universes to figure this shit out. But do you not think it? Do you not think it works in the context of the movie? That rules of the movie as thing. It, I think as, it as an entertaining one hour and fifty minute movie, I think it works phenomenally well. I really do. Um, but it's important that you know we acknowledge that. I, I think this is a really, really good movie. Uh, I think it's an absolute bona fide classic. Uh, but is it? Is it Citizen Kane? No. Yeah, but no one's comparing it to that, are we? Well, but, but what I mean is, in terms of, well, like, I don't know. What's don't the think... bar, though, Sam? Like, I, I, the bar is name a better heist movie. That's a good question. It's up there. It's definitely the blueprint. I'll let you think of, about I think, it. A lot of, some, think about a lot of successful heist movies since since here. Yeah. But I don't. I don't think there is a better heist movie. It's very slick. Than this. I Inside Man, pretty good heist movie. Don't think it's as good as this. Ronin. Ronin's pretty good heist movie. Yeah. Not as good as this. National Treasure. What? I think Ronin's better than this. As a heist movie, well, I think Ronin's an excellent action movie. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think there is. I don't think there exists a better heist movie than this. Italian Job, Heat. Oh, Italian Job. No, it's not. It's not a good film. <laughs> All right. Well, no, it is. But time. yeah, I can. Like Heat's pretty good, but again, I don't think it's necessarily. No, not. A movie that sells that centers Usual around suspects. one singular heist. Usual suspects, maybe, but I don't think it is. It's the same problem as everything else. It's like the Usual Suspects is, I think, a, like a psychological thriller that ne- isn't necessarily around centered around a heist. It's centered around a deceit, but it's not centered around a heist. They're not stealing something. Now that rather that isn't like the the pivot of the whole movie and the pivot of this movie is they're stealing this money. Yeah. So I think I'm right. I think that's the, uh, that's the answer to that. I don't think there is, I don't think there is a better movie. Uh, National treasure. It's pretty good. As a heist no, movie. No, it's not. Don't treat it's me. Not I'm not saying it's, it's as good as this. I'm just saying that's a heist near. movie. I think the only one that I've met, already mentioned is Inside Man. That's the only one that really, to me, that's true. Like that pushes and then, Actually, I think previous episode, I found that film to be quite difficult to rewatch. Really? So, oh, we've, yeah, we've, already, from, we've already had this discussion. I love that movie. From I oh, know I think I, I I think it's good, but I think there's a lot of things that are that you struggle with, you know. So I I think maybe Usual Suspects and the other one that I just said ten seconds ago. Uh, It's gone out of my head. Inside Man, I think, is the ones that I would put up, you know, behind this. But I think this is just. And what about Ocean's Twelve? Now that's a crappy movie, isn't it? I like the sequels to this. I even like Ocean's Eight because they're good and fun in the same way. This is good and fun, but I think especially Ocean's Twelve suffers from being a sequel. Um, it suffers from being. 
way too self-aware and then does this the most insane i don't think i've ever seen it in a movie where an actor pretends to be the actor that they're playing as a character yeah because it's not good it's it's too like, much to ask for you it's too much to ask for your audience the suspension of disbelief collapses doesn't yeah. it it just it just collapses just like carl reiner right now <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm looking at um imdb's uh list of the, the, the best heist movies um I, I don't hit know me come on try it the italian job 2003 so obviously ignore this list actually because that's i that's unsupportable i don't think i've uh have i seen that i'm not sure if i've seen that maybe i have it's, i think probably um, have at the time i remember liking Warburg, the original isn't it uh, yeah, i don't know the original's fun in like a 60s way i i do agree it's maybe not as good as this but the the, the scene that i have very distinct memories of is when he's out of jail michael kane and walks in and his girlfriend has arranged for like 50 women just to be in his room and he's basically just gonna get i don't know what's gonna fuck gonna happen like but something's gonna happen and these women are just in this this seems like a more reputable list okay uh rafifi from 1955 which i haven't seen is supposed to be really really good it's a jewelry shop that they rob uh reservoir dogs is about a heist um that's a good movie it's a Uh, a good movie but i don't think it's a as effective i think italian job 1969 is a good movie it's clever it's funny um i i think you're maybe being a little bit unfair to that movie possibly i mean again talking about movies that hey i was just talking about how the 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 room for the moment bit (laughs) yeah uh die hard is technically about heist don't count it obviously there's no shortboard scene there's no shortboard scene and that's the other thing the important elements of a heist movie isn't it inceptions mm, yes that's good but then that's it's a bit, it's a bit more um experimental as a movie i think to, to, for it to yeah. be up there as the best heist movies ever made and that's i think the train from 1964 is supposed to be very good i haven't seen that thief actually 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 the answer is thief from 1981 i don't think i've seen this james car so it's michael mann same director as heat it's James Kahn, and he's a bank robber, and it's phenomenal. It's so good. Mm, uh, we'll have to add that. That's a very emphatic uh, call from you, which I'm suspicious of, so we'll have to add it to the list. It's three places above Ocean's Eleven in this list that I'm reading. On yeah. Timeout. Well, I, I'm going to stick with it until I watch Thief, and I'm willing to give that a go. But I think of all the movies... No, I, I agree with you, Sam. I, th- I think this is one of, definitely one of the best films. I think... Um, Thief is the only movie on that list that immediately was like, that is better than this. Um, but it's a very different kind of movie. It's a lot more of a dramatic movie. I think this is good because it's funny. I think the lightness of this movie makes it so rewatchable, like National Treasure. I think the silliness sells it. Yeah. Brad Pitt in a wig, giving Carl Ryan a CPR. Danny Ocean getting... The man. That's hilarious. It's 2001. Beat up that shit. by no one. You know, with these two guys sit outside, like these twins with the same beard. <laughs> they get worse as fat goatee twins. Yeah. Like I get, I get the security, but 
I would love for a security expert to explain why you would need quite so many lasers. Yeah, sure, it's just a grid. Would be... Well, just like one on each floor, like, would be fine. <laughs> like, there's like a thousand lasers in there. And that and that's that's kind of the whole the whole movie, the whole point of the EMP and everything. It, the reason they need to do it is because they need to turn off those lasers. Yeah. And they want to cause chaos. Don't you think? Don't you think? Here we go. This imaginary EMP thing. That's. It's a fun prop. I appreciate the problem. Same design, sound effect as Sam Fisher putting his uh, his glasses down. You fucking nerd! It's a fun prop, and it's obviously like I, I like the idea that gave this prop department that said, "Right, it's a it's an EMP thing," and they were like, "Right, um, okay, gelatinous liquid and bubbles and a coil and a light." <laughs> I do like that. He's to pee. No, he's holding his. He doesn't want know, to get like. Uh, I love the chaos this causes. And this is in the 60s version. So they, they do this, but with... Um, they, they just they, cut they, the they, wire. No, no, they blow up a uh, electric pylon. <laughs> One. Oh, <laughs> like special forces during the war. <laughs> they, they just blow up one, and it knocks out the power to all of Las Vegas. Although I'm not sure, is he? Yeah, it's Las Vegas, I think. I don't know, it might not be. Like, it might not be. I can have to have a look. Could be Atlantic City, I suppose. That's the other big casino place, isn't it? And the fight starts, they're like, yeah, let's do it, let's go. Elliot Gould behind us on. Huh? Elliot Gould what? Is this is this from a real fight thing? It looks real, doesn't it? I think the footage is... Yeah, I think so. It's the cheapest way to get a shot like that. Look at this. And this one I can imagine they just... This is funny. But of course people would do that. Like I think a lot of these casinos have like um, like generator backups now. They probably yeah. lived at the time as well because they can't really afford for all the lights to go off. Because it's gonna it's gonna go down. Or uh, to be honest, a lot of um, emergency lights are all battery backups, so it wouldn't go black because like it's especially over here, it's like a building code thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking and the uh, the pinch is based on a real thing. Oh, James Bond gadget. It's knockout gas, by which I mean nerve toxin. These guys are dead.
Mm. So the actual the actual pinch is a is a real thing, and it does use like deionized water to act as insulators. So oh. there is so, so the idea of it is kind of similar, but obviously it wouldn't be. It wouldn't necessarily have the same physics or what you know the the use case isn't the same. Yeah, but it can generate electricity in that kind of interesting. Mm. I'm not going to read any more of the physics of that because it hurts my brain. Yeah, it just kind of requires a bit of... Uh... Here we go. So now, let's break this down. So this is all happening. What he's doing here, there's a f- there's a feed cut, isn't there, eventually? And we have to look for the Bellagio on the floor. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So this is real. And then later on with the guys with the masks, that's these guys who are watching, you know, with yeah. the control room. It's clever. Yeah, because I think it is. And I think also because they don't necessarily have to tell you everything that's going on because you've got the retroactive thing later. The retrospective thing, sorry. You can look back and go, like, oh, okay. So you can kind of just enjoy this without having to worry about how they're doing it. Yeah, because we've got the reveal. I think it makes the rewatches better as well. It does. Because you know what's yeah. going to happen, but I think, I think the actual turn is done really well. You know, sometimes like a movie can be really, really good, but you don't really want to watch it again because you kind of got everything you needed to the first time. I think the stuff that you missed the first time you watch this, you get in subsequent watches. Yeah, which is kind of the test of a good movie. I think probably movies are a bit more concerned about that, aren't they, in the kind of DVD age? So that guy? This is big DVD, isn't it? DVD. 28 minutes left we've got um, the batteries again comedy tension it's diffused the batteries yep. are in the wrong way around brilliant also you're telling me none of these hard, all these hard on criminals would be like well, it's fine if he dies he dies Cost of business, one less share. One less share, pirate code, man. (laughs) (laughs) I love this bit as well, he just quickly presses it. (laughs) Because it's exactly what you do, isn't it? How else are you going to test it? So why is and that to sound the why is that to sound the the lasers then? Sound the lasers. Well, there were lasers on the floor. Oh, I guess so it's why just he had blown to jump up. onto the cabinet. Uh, I Surely that's going to set them noticed. off. I think they would have noticed, wouldn't they? Then I suppose the the chaos of upstairs is is still distracting them. Well, the alarm's still going off. It's uh, that's a plot hole for me. I, I've only just noticed on this viewing. Well, but it's the, unclear why he can't touch the floor before and save himself twenty-five seconds if they're going to know it's tripped anyway. Yeah, I think because they'd have to. I think they blow it all up and then they switch the feed, don't they? And they've also yeah. got the, they've controlled the alarm system. But why they couldn't just turn the alarm system off? But then you know, don't know. And this is where it all falls apart, isn't it? You know, actually watching this slightly detached as we talk about it, 
it's even more apparent how little Andy Garcia's character deserves this because we'll have <laughs> justice for Andy Garcia. It's why he kind of becomes one of the gang, doesn't he, in the third one, I think. And yes, it works reasonably it, well because he he isn't strangling babies. Yeah, they managed to. The third one, from my memory, is actually really fun. I've not watched it in a long time. I've but. seen I've seen this one in twelve recently. Twelve is, I'll, I have problems with twelve. Twelve is I think 12. a bad movie. I think it's a bad movie. Yeah, uh, whereas thirteen is again a bit lighter. Again, I think there's too much of the romantic like side plots in two. I'm not saying it doesn't have its place in movies, but in an Ocean's Eleven movie, I don't need every character to like have a girlfriend. So this is the fake. So it's a real feed of the corridor, but it's a fake feed of the vault now. I think. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Because their bags haven't got X's on them. No. Someone worked out how much all this cash would weigh. I think. Look at this. Look at this. This is great, isn't it? You'd notice that phone. It weighs 14 kilos. Yeah. Big battery the last two hours. Get out. This is man's business. Here we go. It's great fun, isn't it? So the last 24 minutes of this movie, plus credits, so probably about 20 minutes really, 1.63, no, 163 million they've got in there. Yeah. So what was it? You can tell how little these guys are. They, do, they could do a good job. It's obviously the actors in the costumes. They're a lot smaller than George Clooney and Matt Damon. Yeah. So that's, oh my God. What's that, 14 million each? Something like that. I wish Google would put the apostrophes into the numbers because I can't tell what that is. I think it's 14 million pounds each, 15 million each nearly. That's pretty good, yeah. isn't it? That's pretty I think that's good. what, because the second movie, the plot is like Benedict wants his money back. It's really weird. Yeah, so they have to like do that, don't they? I don't know. It's kind of where you just want sometimes just end the movie and that's it. And we're not going to have anything else. We can just enjoy it as a self-contained unit, you know. It's a problem with these movies, though, because the stakes are so high in this movie. You can't then have the second one just be what well, they're robbing. They're stealing the most Mona Lisa for some reason. Is that movie about that? I think it's paintings. Um yeah, because you've got the shitty but, French guy, haven't you, in the second one? Yeah, is yeah. Is that the third one? That's the second one, is it? Yeah. No, the second one's with the French guy, but there's all this, like, again, more of this Brotherhood of Thieves, and you've got um, Brad Pitt's girlfriend's in, a police officer in Interpol, and her dad's yeah. a master thief. Zia Jones is okay. Yeah, she's okay. In it, yeah, she, the performances are fine. It's just a lot going on. Hmm. And you've got the Julia Roberts playing Julia Roberts thing, which is... Yeah. As we said, too it's cute. Just insane. Now, this is fun because we get 
actually so like there's different ways of doing this isn't there you can have a kind of real-time version of what's going on you can watch the characters do it which is what we so see this a lot is really happening of, watching now yeah but what i mean is we can this is a this is like a this is a kind of smash cut of what's happening it isn't real time so we're we're, we're snipping between the various events, which is the taking the bags out, which are actually the you know the the porno leaflets, the police yeah. are showing up, and you could have I think you could just shoot this straight almost and just show us it as it's going on, whereas because you've got all these the, the stuff that comes afterwards, which is the reveal, that is what I think makes this such a satisfying ending to this movie because yeah. it's it's all there for you and you get to have the same moment of like smug. We did it as as the rest of the gang do, you know. Yeah, we figure it out. With Run and hide, else. asshole. Run and hide. And that's you kind of think that's what they're him, doing. He's kind know. of just like, yeah. The robot bat driven van is cool. I think it's clever. Again, I think that stuff like this is predictable. It's the stuff with Benedict. Like knowing which guy he's gonna to get to beat Benedict, uh, beat um, Danny up, knowing yeah. exactly where. Here comes the SWAT team. Who Roberts is gonna be. And the, the everything we're watching here, where they're shooting up the. This is the fake vault. This is the fake vault. Like, I think this is just really accomplished filmmaking. Especially this this last sequence. Hmm. Uh, Dave, right, so let's keep... Let's not just watch the film. Let's keep talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's a movie. Um... I mean, I'm happy to turn this into the Sam monologue. You know, you know how much... That is my overall aim. I'm just watching the movie. I'm trying to pick out because obviously the numbers are funny because there's like five squat guys and the two, the three guys in the vault and then there's three guys in the vault at the other end and then five other squat guys. There must be seven or eight people we don't, we haven't met just being bodies because he's driving that one of them is driving that van no no no, no. Oh, it's all pre-recorded isn't it of course sorry so, yeah 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 so, got so got everyone who's gone down in the because we see saul doing it later don't we they all go down because yeah. they all have to carry money up i feel like i'd actually 75 year old swat guy regardless of what he was wearing yeah because money money Weighs quite a lot as well, isn't it? So you're gonna need mm. you're gonna need everyone. Someone worked to out be... how much it 160 million dollars weighs. It's a lot. How do you even begin to like launder that amount of money? Well, they would have presumably. I think it's also about fitting how much it. Here we go. Someone's done the. Someone's done the movie show. Three men carrying six bags, supposedly carrying eighty million US dollars. Even the money was hundred dollars. 
seven cubic feet, 260 pounds per bag. Jesus, that's like lifting, uh, that's 50 pounds more, 60 pounds more than I weigh. Yeah. One million dollars weighs 10 kilograms. So that's 1,500 kilograms. A ton and a half of money. And the answer that's... is, fuck off, it's a movie. Shut up, Reddit. <laughs> it works in the rules of the movie. I think that's a concept that we talk about a lot, right? And it's because it's so important, isn't it? Is that if you don't, if you don't set up and create the rules and follow them in your film, you're going to invite yeah. almost the audience to ask these questions because you should be thinking about this stuff as you're watching films. You should be critically going, wait a minute. And and even if you're not, then when it happens and you you realise, you find a plot hole, that's where it's like a bit of a problem, isn't it? Yeah, it's just um, attention to detail is important. But like you said, after a certain point, you're just watching the movie like I have been for the last 10 minutes when I've not yeah, been thanks, Dave. engaging or paying attention. Yeah, um, it's interesting though, totally in these movies, they can't use, obviously they can't use real cash. There's a company that makes, specifically makes Hollywood cash for films. Um, and it's like, obviously really well made, but they are super, super intensely surveilled by security services um yeah. and the money's like it won't be the real precedence on it and and it won't probably doesn't say 100 on it and a lot of them and it's like it's meant it looks, to stand in for money without enough, being good enough but without being good enough to be um because otherwise we would just take it home and spend it yeah here we go it's so good enough to be um saw oh, yeah. on the rope and we also see the same shots but in a different the same scenes from a different shot when he's answering the phone, we see a different camera. And we get the triumphant music. I love this. I just think this is great. It's a great reveal. And then we sort of cut to them walking guys, across the guys, guys. floor, don't we? <laughs> In the pine, oil pine. Would even get a swap truck from. But they've done it up, haven't they? Because it wasn't swapped yeah. before, so they must have painted it on. Uh, the lights and stuff. Yeah, yeah fuck no, you, no, Andy no, Garcia. No. That's what you get for being a legitimate businessman. <laughs> it's funny as well, because a lot of the... Um, I hate to keep talking about a second movie, but it expounds on the sort of aftermath of this robbery uh, in a way this movie doesn't, which is... He's insured. Yeah. Rich like the second movie is about him doubling he, him getting another 160 million dollars and Danny Ocean's been here getting beaten up the whole time 45 minutes I think even me or you would manage to beat someone to death in that time well I suppose the trick is not to kill them it's to inflict pain I suppose that's keep get them alive that's why you get this guy But it's funny because he says, "Did I hand him what? I don't know what you're talking about. I've been beating up." And then, and then 
he turns it, doesn't he? Because he says, actually, I do know what you're talking about. And I'm willing yeah. to give you what you want if you let Tess have, let me have Tess. Now, yeah. slightly. The stupidest know, thing a, in the whole movie, by the way. It is. It doesn't really It would work. Sense. It would work if Julia Roberts was 13. <laughs> Whoa. Do you know what I mean? Like, it would work if all the characters were 13. I'm like, yes, that sort of high oh, school shit would a, work. That's a way better sentence than the first one you tried to. Well done. You know what I mean? Don't, don't say they are like that. But you know what I mean? What you I mean said it like that. Her, rea- her reaction to this, <laughs> which is like, oh, Benedict says he likes me but does he like like me is it like her internal monologue throughout this movie yeah and it's but i i guess it's about the arc isn't it and the arc is that really she's still in love with danny now i do think it is a bit problematic and a bit troublesome that we're like as to be fair women in movies quite often are this woman's thick she just needs she needs to get back to the the guy she divorced for probably very legitimate reasons like not having a stable income and living this nomadic life of robbing casinos yep, and the arrests and the crimes uh, and and it's like all's forgiven because you showed me how much of a dick my current husband is like obviously and he can see it's just like a, it's the, the hollywood greatest person in the like, world but is if if you gave up tess I get your money back. Like, is he thinking, oh, if she's watching this, then I'll have to say no. In what other situation would you say no? Yes. Then you exploit whatever his answer is about getting your money back. Whether you have any... Obviously, you're not going to do that. He's a criminal. Yeah. Well, as we agreed, Mr. Criminal, my wife is your wife now, so she'll come and visit you in prison, and I'll, you know, I will leave well enough alone because we've agreed as gentlemen. I like, I like most things in life. It's like, uh, Tess, just give me... 30 seconds to explain. Just had the worst night of my life of being robbed. I said that because I wanted to get the information from him. Clearly, I'm still very devoted to you. Oh, sorry. No, you're already walking off. You know, like... It's a good line, though, isn't it? In your hotel. From a script point of view, I think it really works. But it's just... There's one or two bits like that. And a lot of it's related to Julia Roberts and... and, um... Benedict like it's just a couple of like yeah but like you said maybe just like he, he rings and leaves you a voicemail explaining and you're like oh maybe I've misthought it and he's like listen maybe you shouldn't get back together with your scumbag like um, yeah. out on parole con man of a husband who stole $160 should we from think me. about this like, before we yeah, do maybe let's maybe if you're sure about us not being together that's fine but maybe because I care about you maybe don't don't get back with him like you know even if he is a scumbag just just fuck over george clooney yeah i love the ending of this movie as well i love the claire de lune playing in the background well not in the background prominently while we get nothing else that's right we've escaped the prisoner of war camp and we're on our way back to america i mean we've just ripped off this like hard-working um (laughs) Legitimate businessman. Legitimate yeah, businessman. And we stole his and girlfriend as well. And over his personal life as well. Fantastic. But listen, isn't this... This is... I mean, Claire de Lune is doing so much lifting here. Probably the, probably the most beautiful piece of music ever written. And, like... What's that pause? The emo- like... Huh? 
I'm going to go and fucking fuck George Clooney. Yeah. Because he did this elaborate thing just for me. I mean, that's kind of true, isn't it? <laughs> He's got $160 million. I'm just going to go be with whoever's got the $160 million. Yeah. That's my husband. This is the shittest part of the movie, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it really sells. It really it really um, goes to the point of this is a white guy movie. Is this... Is this this is pretty white guy-ish. And I, That's I right. feel you bad for enjoying over, it so much. fuck over your enemies. Uh, and you can be a bad guy. You can be a thief. You can be a liar. You can be a scandal. You can steal money. You can steal women. Yes, that's right. You own them. You can do what you like. And at the end of the day, you're this still This feels a like a total, guy. like, yeah, maybe she's had a bottle of wine, but she wakes up in the morning and thinks, <laughs> what the fuck was I doing last night? Sorry, Andy. Like, what what sorry, reasonable person? I'm really sorry. I was really drunk last night or high or something. I obviously yeah. wouldn't make that decision. Yeah. And also, the, look, look at this. Claire de Lune, the fountains, they're all set. The nobility. Crikey, mate. That we are, in, that we are given these characters. Like these, these guys are thieves. And yet, you end the movie clapping because they've done it. And I think that's great filmmaking. It's great filmmaking to like to switch that round and god damn I love these thieves and they got away with it. Fantastic. Do you want to know how the end of the uh, 1961 goes? So one of them dies. One right. of them dies half halfway through the movie and um and so they're going to use the death to get the money out of state by putting it in his coffin. So they go into the funeral home, they lift up it, lift up the body, put the money in, put the body down, and then they're going to ship from Vegas or wherever they are to San Francisco. But then the day after, his wife goes to the funeral home and says, and the, the guy's like, listen, it's going to cost loads of money to do this. You haven't got lots of money anyway. Why don't you just leave him here? We'll just do it here. It's fine. And the wife's like, okay, that's fine. And then they go to the funeral and there's this noise. And they're like, what's that? And they and they say, well, that's the coffin being cremated. <laughs> and so all the money gets burned. And so the end of the movie is them walking out penniless uh, and looking all very despondent. So a very, again, a completely different ending. To I guess, though, like from a screenwriting point of view, the point of that is then like, if they'd made an Ocean's Eleven two, like, yeah, we need to get the band back together because we didn't get, we didn't end up making any money last time. Yeah, three to six months later. So this is the end of the movie, isn't it? And there he is, like eating again, eating the most disgusting goddamn. I want one of those sandwiches right now. It's not a burger. I don't know no, what it is, but I want it. I want it, Dave. It's a sandwich. <laughs> I want that heartburn. I do. He's finally like Jesus. I'm eating too much. <laughs> so final verdicts, Dave, because we're getting to the end of this movie. What do you think? So I, I'm I'm gonna say I still believe this is one. This is one of my favourite movies. It's a complete comfort watch. I know almost every line. I know what scenes are coming up. 
and I know how it ends and yet I still can watch this. I probably do watch this a couple times a year, no problem. And the real test for me is that I would sit down and watch it again right now and be completely happy with that. objectify Julia Roberts just there. I don't want to just gloss over it. <laughs> yeah. So what about you then? Effects. Um, I still focus, really like Dave. Focus. We've got I've five always, more minutes left. You can do it. I still Talk. really like this movie. I've always really liked this movie. I just maybe don't put it on the same pedestal that you do. I think it does have flaws. I think I think a lot of the Julia Roberts plotline is quite problematic. I think we are in stupid city with her decision making. Stupid city, really, which I don't think is ever really clear. Like, and the movie's stupid way of mountain. resolving that is to see make it seem like she's never really happy or comfortable with Benedict, and it kind of maybe robs that of the emotional weight. If you know, they they put five minutes of scenes in just having her, but. A speech from her to Benedict, you know, saying, you know, I didn't know more of her being mistreated, more obviously, perhaps. Um, And I think the heist is really funny. It's maybe just a little cute, you know, my only my only real fault with this movie, but it it is endlessly rewatchable in a way that not a lot of movies are. I think a little cute is is probably spot on, and that would I would say includes. The cinematography as well like we are doing a lot of stuff here that is right on the edge of of being just a bit a bit too much but i think it always yeah, falls and, but, in but the, it works because exactly. it works so much it's fine if it's stupid and it works it's not stupid that's the rule <laughs> and and so ultimately you can forgive it but it also probably means that i'll never have this movie in like my you know, top 10 movies of all time list. You yeah. know, what, even though it might be in the top 10 of films you can rewatch over and over and over again. Whereas I think you it know, the National Treasure is also in that list, so that's not oh, a sign of quality at all. Sake. For goodness sake. <laughs> don't even say that film's name for you this episode. All right. Well, there we go. We've watched Ocean's Eleven together. That was fun. Uh, if you, uh, congratulations, listener. If you've got to the end of this, Despite all of our chewing and silences, Dave, I, I think you win some kind of top prize. Uh, I'm not sure what that quite yes, is. The top prize you have won, which is to write in to imaginarypodcast at gmail.com. Imaginarymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. We will personally respond and uh, we will send you a selfie of us together. How about that? Yeah. What I was going to suggest. <sighs> Suggest a movie, the next movie for us to do a commentary on, which is not legally binding in any sense of the word. No, I think, and actually, I think it should be. I think genuinely, if you're listening to this and you got to the end of this of this commentary, give us five movies. We will watch them all because we are we are. This is you've had desperate for validation. Absolutely desperate. What you've had a slog to get through this. So congratulations for you. Well done. I've enjoyed it, though. This is, a, this is only our second commentary, because I think the alien commentary was lost. That's a lost episode, of, um, and then maybe a Star An alien one? attacked the podcast, you see, and we had to jetson the escape pod and blow up the podcast. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, there we go. Let's let's get that hat the hell out of here. No outro music, hard stop. See you <laughs> next time. <laughs>